Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. I'm going to start off with this story. I think not this summer, the summer before, uh, some of our young adults were getting together uh, on Father's Day, and it was, uh, they were hanging out at a park close by here in DDO, and they were playing that traditional game. Who remembers as a kid playing soccer, baseball? Remember soccer, baseball? Exactly, on a baseball field, but with a soccer ball. Um, and so they were out there. So, so they, said, they said some of the dads can come, ha- come and hang out. So I went and hung out with them, and it was fun to be there. And I was feeling in super good shape. And I thought, I'm going to show these young adults <laughs> how to play soccer, baseball. And uh, I kicked the ball so well. I mean, it was so far. And I just, like, took off like a sprinter to first base. And halfway through, I pulled the hamstring and tumbled and could not move for 30 minutes. It was horrible. I was out for the game. My leg was up, and it was over. That was it. And I learned this really valuable lesson as I, as I uh, tried to overdo myself and show off to people 20 years younger than me. I ended up realizing that I must be aware of my limits. <laughs> and I should have stretched, um, should have stretched. I thought, I'm in, I'm in good enough shape to do this. Uh, but I just like took off so fast, right? Have you ever been up against a limit in your life? Like something happens and you're like, ah, oh, I should have thought differently about this or I should have prepared for this. And you've come up against this limit. Maybe it was a physical limit. Maybe it was a financial limit. Maybe it was Uh, something you learned about your personality, you realize, that's not my person. This is not who I am. I shouldn't maybe venture into this. Maybe it's something about time. And here's the thing, and this is something that's so important to understand about our culture. If you gauge your life by every advertisement of opportunity, right, or every advertisement or opportunity, you will probably conclude that you should live your life with no limits. Now, I know that there's some great movements out there to help us push beyond our limits. But let me kind of share the flip side of this. We are bombarded, right, with advertisements, with opportunities, and often it makes us think that we can live our life completely with no limits, like disregard for financial capacity or what's in our bank account, buy whatever we want, disregard capacity for energy and work from like 7 in the morning till midnight and never stop, disregard our personality traits, what we're good at, what we're not good at, and just like take any job, take any job, just look at any job in the market and say, I'm going to take this one, oh, I can do this, I can do this. And uh, the reality is, is that there's some inherent limits in us as human beings. And limits can be positive or limits can be negative. Now, today's message is not a message about breaking limits because there are reasons sometimes to break limits. Some limits need to be broken and some limits can be broken. But today I want to explore limits in a different kind of perspective, to to explore limits that we should pay attention to and sometimes limits that we should also welcome into our lives. And so we're going to, just like last week, we talked about time as a gift. Today I want to talk about limits as a gift. And not just a gift in general, but a gift for our discernment. We're in this series called Gifts for Discernment. And often when we think about discernment, we just want, you know, some help to make some decisions, but we often ignore all the resources at our disposal to help us make good decisions with discernment. And last week we looked at the idea of time or history, past and present, to make good decisions in the present. So past and future to make good decisions in the present. But today I want to talk about limits, because limits 
if we understand them well, can actually help us discern an option or an opportunity in the present, whether it's the right one, whether it's the wrong one, whether it fits us, whether it doesn't. And, you know, in fact, Scripture starts with a limit on humanity. When you read the stories of the, the story of Scripture in the early pages of Genesis, and God creates humanity, and we see Adam and Eve in the garden, they, in a sense, almost are limitless. Like, you can do anything in this place. You can, you can eat any fruit, any vegetable. You can explore. You can enjoy. You can have delight. But there's this one tree that you shouldn't touch. And this limit was to actually help them, to save them, to equip them, to live out their vocation as an image bearer of God. Think about this for a second. We, in our culture, um, for so long, society has somewhat been understood as a should culture. You should do this. You should do that. And, um, and that's not always been great. But most of history, society has been a should mentality. You should honor these guidelines. You should work while it's daylight. You should do this or you should do that. You should follow these rules. Sometimes you should go to university. Now, not all shoulds are good. Not all shoulds are good. That, that can be a tongue twister, right? Uh, if someone says, you should go to university, well, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe there's another path for your career. You should, you know, um, you know kind of get married by this age or something. Well, maybe that's not always the best advice, right? So, I'm not saying that all shoulds are, are good. But so many, what's happened is in our culture, and some commentators, cultural commentators have talked about this, we've moved from a should culture to a could culture. So we've like reacted to the extreme of a should culture with a could culture or a could, could mentality. Like, you could do whatever you want. You could buy whatever you want. You should go to every country in the world. You could take any job you want. So, this, so now reacting to a should culture, we've slowly shifted towards a could culture, which sometimes makes us feel like we could do absolutely anything. And then no limit and no restriction of what we could do is ever helpful because we could do anything, go anywhere, anytime. Why? Just because you could, right? Now, I'm an opportunity junkie. This is really bad for me because when I see an opportunity, I, I often, I, I rarely, I usually think, how could I kind of jump on this opportunity? That's kind of me. My wife uh, is not so thrilled about that because sometimes it's hard to say no to opportunities. But I want us to understand kind of the difference between a should and could culture and, and what that means for our limits. Now, we're going to jump into this passage of Scripture where Jesus, God's Son, full of power, uh, authority, and all at His disposal, actually starts His ministry with some limits. If you've got your Bible, Matthew chapter 4, and we're not going to like detailed go through each verse here, but I just want to use it as a background today to think about this. So here's Jesus. Um, he's just baptized, and God's love is poured over him in the words that God speaks over him. God's Spirit is poured into him. And here now Jesus is led to the wilderness. So listen to this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards, he was famished. Just want to make sure we got the same text. Yes. Okay, cool. Afterwards, he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, 
it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Well, Jesus says to him, again it's written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to them, all these I will give you. You could have all this stuff, kind of, right? All these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Let's just pause and pray. God, we just ask that you grab a hold of our attention as we allow this passage, this scene in Jesus' life to be a backdrop um, for what we want to talk about today, God. And for some that need a specific word or direction from you, God, I just pray that their ears and eyes would be open and mine as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is a really powerful moment in Jesus' life. Like, right it's like the bookends of this is, like I said, his baptism, God's spirit poured over him, God's love spoken over him. And on the other side is Jesus is, is starting a ministry. He, up until this point, no public ministry. Up until this point, he hasn't been really known too much. And right in the middle of these two moments, he's sent to the wilderness by God's spirit on purpose. So it's a really important moment. And the context of the moment is a limit. He actually goes to the wilderness, which is kind of limiting because he's far away from everything else, but he's also practicing a spiritual discipline, which is fasting. He's fasting for that time there. And in the middle of that fasting, he's tempted by Satan, and he's presented with a could or should moment, if you think about it. The first one, right? Command these stones to become bread. Satan is like, break this crazy fast that you're on. Like, why are you limiting yourself by not eating? Get nourishment needed instead of this crazy spiritual practice. You could have this food. You could have abundance. And Jesus responds with his rooted identity, that his life is not reduced to bread, even though it's important most days, but instead his life is rooted in God's word, God's voice, and God's vision for his life. That's the first moment. The second one is throw yourself down, risk a little, and test God to see if he saves you. In other words, it's like break this crazy limit of gravity. Who cares about gravity anyways, right? Does, does that matter? Well, of course, yeah. And break this limit of common sense. Prove that God will intervene in your life. You could do this, Jesus. You, you, could, you could show and practice even immortal, immortality. You can, you can have a pain-free life because you're the Son of God, and God will just save you, right? Prove that God can intervene. And Jesus honors the limits of His physical body, and the limits of an Old Testament principle. You don't test the Lord your God. The third one, this is kind of the big one. Give, you know, Satan says, I will give you all the kingdoms of this world. You could have everything. There's no limit to what you can have. All you got to do is just bow down to me. You can have instant adoration. Don't wait for the fullness of God's kingdom one day. Don't wait for eternity. Don't wait, you know, you can skip the cross and resurrection and just get to new creation no limits on your fame, no limits on your popularity, no limits on your allegiance right now. There's no waiting. You can have it all right now. And Jesus honors the limit that only God is worshiped and served, that it's not the time 
right now. Think about this for a second. If Jesus would have disregarded the limits in the wilderness, it would have thrown him off course. If Jesus would have disregarded, if Jesus would have said, there's no limit that can't be broken, in the moment in the wilderness, it would have led him off course. So I want us to think about this. While there are some limits that we should break through, there's a few limits that I think we should welcome. And some of them are kind of cataloged here in Jesus' moment in the wilderness. Some of them are in other parts of Jesus' life, which we're not going to read, and I'm going to encourage you to look through the Bible this week for it. But I want us to just pause and think about this. What are some limits in our life that are gifts, that we should look at them as gifts, receive them as gifts, welcome them, and actually use them as a resource for our discernment? Well, the first one is something we talked about last week, which is time. We read from Psalms 90, it says that we should consider our days, our days are numbered. We don't have infinite amount of days in the life that we live. We're not talking about eternity, but, you know, so just to, to number our days, and if we number our days, we would act wisely. So think about this. How many of us neglect the limit of time in our lives only to feel exhausted, burned out, or disillusioned? And it amazes me that these days, even though the research is, is like in front of us, the research tells us that sometimes an effort beyond a certain time limit actually becomes unproductive. Like if you work more than X amount of hours, the work afterwards becomes unproductive, sometimes worse, sometimes even damaging to your goals. So putting in the time doesn't always equal productivity or purpose. And what we, what, but here's the problem. We live in a culture, I don't know about you, but I see the ads and blogs and the social media posts all the time that I can squeeze every ounce out of my day. That if I can just become a little bit more productive here, a little bit more productive here, if I can create a better task list, have goals, set this up, have accountability partners, all these kind of things, then I can get so much more out of my day. And so in our culture, productivity has become a god. If I could just produce a little bit more, I can try and squeeze every ounce of time out of my day. And when we do that, we risk squeezing every ounce of life out of our time. When we try and squeeze every ounce of time out of our life, we, we risk squeezing life out of our time. And we, if we can just look at time as a limit... See, some of us live like there's 28 hours in a day or nine hours in a week, right? That's not really great. We don't honor these limits. Someone asked, I was asking someone this week, uh, you know, just uh, in our church community, I asked them to oversee a task with a timeline. And my attitude is always usually possible. Like if someone asked me to do something, my first gut is I could probably get it done. And so I was thinking about that and I was thinking, yeah, this is a possible task to get done. And the response was, I don't think I can do that until the end of next week or the week after that. So my first gut was frustration. My first gut was like, what do you mean? Why not? Like, we, we, can, you know, we can squeeze the time in. But then deep inside, I started to think about this, and there was wisdom in their response because they knew their time limits and their ability to do that task well. There's a little f thing falling right in front of me here. Um, you probably didn't see that, and you thought, I'm very strange. Like, what is Dave seeing? Is it, no, there was literally a fluff falling here. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay, trust me. <laughs> that was so funny. Anyways, I, let me just stop and continue. 
you don't understand the light in front of me. So <laughs> that's even a worse statement to say. Now you really think I'm going nuts, the light in front of me. So anyways, here's the thing. So this person realized, like he told me, I can't, you know what time frame I have? It's better. I can do this at the end of next week, maybe the week after that. Now, they knew their time limits. They knew the other responsibilities they had and the ability to do that well. And in the end, we found a better way. There was a better timeline without crushing anybody's time, without crushing anybody's life. And it was in that moment that there was actually wisdom in that response to, wait a second, I'm gonna, we have to honor this limit. And so here's the thought. Embracing the limit of time leads to discerning when you can say yes, when you can say no. Sometimes we want all these tips to how to discern when we disregard one of the most basic limits in our life, which is time and how to use it wisely. The second one that I think is so important, and if we get nothing out of today, keep this beautiful um, piece of what I'm going to call a limit is so important for us, and it's the limit in our seasons that we're in, the seasons of life that we're in. Last week we read Ecclesiastes 3, and the writer in Ecclesiastes talks about all the seasons of life, like a time to do this, a time to do that, a time to laugh, a time to cry, right? All these pieces, and that there's a time for everything. Now, the writer is just describing what happens in life. In life, it's true. We look back to our life, and there has been a time for this, a time for that. It's not a prescription. It's just a description. And it affirms that human life is experienced in seasons, and that's really important to know. Now, no one ever really knows when they start out their life. They never know exactly if they will be married, if they will be single, if they will have children or not have children, if their career will move them here, here, or there. It's really hard to, to really envision that. You kind of go in stages with your life, and as it unfolds, you, can, you live it. It's, it's hard to fully plan it out. Even our health, we never know if our health is going to stay the course or inhibit us or things like that. But what we do know, you, you can't look so far ahead, but you and I know the season we're in now right? You know the season you're in now. Some of us are in different seasons, and that's okay, but we know the season we're in now. Here's the problem, and this is where it hits discernment. Too many of us live like we're in the wrong season. Too many of us live like we're in another person's season. Too many of us live like we're in the previous season or the season ahead of us, and we're not living like we're in the season we're in now. How many married people live like they're single? How many single people live like they're married? How many parents live like they have no kids? How many young adults want what their parents have 30 years later? They want it now. How many busy managers or leaders take on more projects when they already have enough projects in this season? So it's so important that we live in the right season because seasons dictate our priorities and priorities help us discern the decisions we make. Sometimes it's not rocket science in terms of how to decide. Sometimes it's just acknowledging what season am I in right now and what priorities has this season given to me? And I, I really, I'm going to be honest, I learned this the hard way and I'm still learning it because like I said, I have a bent towards always saying yes to opportunities. But I've had to learn this the hard way. One of the ways I learned this was even through Westside. Our church was started almost 20 years ago. I was 29 years old when Westside started. My son was two years old. We were, at that time, married about um, five years at the time, my wife and I. And my daughter, we, we didn't know at the time, was going to come in about a year or so from then. And the early years of our church plan were busy, time-wise and mentally, like on the calendar and in my mind, it was busy. But 
I was also a young married person. And we, had, we were parents eventually of two toddlers. My son was in our first small group. My kids came to everything, every meeting, every prayer time, every community project, every time we did a car wash in the corners here in the West Island, uh, all kinds, every gathering, and that was actually the good part. They were part of everything we did. But here's the bad part. The bad part that as zealous as I was in this calling to, to plant a church, I sometimes forgot that I was in the season of my life as a married young parent of two toddlers. That season dictated priorities for me that sometimes I was blind to or I neglected, and that was wrong. The bad part was I didn't invest in some of those seasons in my kids the way I could have and should have. My kids were my, prior, were my priorities in that season as well as my wife, and I didn't always understand the limits that that season brought on me. I sometimes ignored the limits of that season. See, see, limits can be positive or negative. Limits can be neutral. They're not always evil. They're just inherent. And seasons also look like vocation. The word vocation is the word vocata, to be called out into something. And let me tell you, if if you're married here, you have been called into a vocation of marriage. If you're if you're single, you're also in a vocation of singleness. It's, it's part of, at least immediately, I'm not saying forever, is, is part of, 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 of what you're called to. If you're a parent right now, it's part of your vocation. Part, maybe the career you're in and how you're called to contribute to our world is part of a vocation. A ministry that you're involved in is part of your vocation. And here's the thing, your vocation, my vocation requires attention. But you know what it does? When I'm attentive to this vocation, I'm also, I also inherit limits in that vocation. It's just normal. If I'm, if I'm married and I love my wife, and you might sound, you might, it might sound very strange to say, your marriage comes with limits. That's not a negative statement. That's an honest statement. Because if you're married, then the, this person in your life, now, now you're attentive to them. And because you're attentive to them, you lose attentiveness for some other capacity for some other things. So you've inherited limits in a positive way. You've, you've chosen to do that. Your vocation requires attention, and your vocation puts limits on you. These are often God-ordained limits, and if you ignore those limits, you discern unwisely in that season. This came up, you know, to me even a couple of years ago. There's a Bible school here in the province that uh, invited me to, to, for an opportunity to teach in the seminary there, and I thought, you know, Opportunity Junkie Dave is like, this is man, you know, I could be a professor. I can have like another letter at the end of my name or something. I could teach. I could, you know, and on the good side is like, wow, God, this could be a really beautiful opportunity to, to spend time with, with young, up-and-coming, you know, people that are called to pastoral ministry, and I can spend time with them and listen and learn and also pour into them. What an amazing opportunity. It wasn't, it's not a bad thing. There's nothing wrong about that. Nothing wrong about that. But this was about two, three years ago. We had been about in this building for about a year. There was, uh, you know, some staff changes that, that were coming. 
my kids were just at coming to the end of teenagehood, so they're in that middle of like emerging to young adulthood, and they still are. They're 18 and 21, but back then they were 16 and 19, and I just had to, there was some, it was a great opportunity. It was possible for me to do it. I think there was some gifts around there, but then I had to stop and say, wait a second, what season am I in? Is this the season to do this? And I remember sitting with a mentor of mine that I would get together periodically throughout the year. And the mentor said to me, Dave, you're not off the rocket thinking this stuff. You could teach in your 50s. You could teach in five years from now. Your kids are never going to be 16 and 19 again. Your church is not going to be at the place it's in now. You don't have to take this opportunity. And, and I remember just pausing and saying, okay, this season has come with some inherent limits that are a gift for my discernment in this moment. And I said, no. I said, I'll wait. And that's not a bad thing. And so these are just kind of different ways that we can see the gift of limits. Another, another way, here's just two really quick ones. One is the gifts that we have as the body of Christ. If you're, the, the scriptures say that we each have a gift in the body of Christ. And Paul likes the metaphor of the body parts, an arm, a, a leg, and all that kind of stuff. And, and our gift is how we function. Now, arms are great, but they're really limited, right? They can only do certain things. And, and you know, your ankle is great, but it can never function like a thumb, right? Like, your thumb can do a lot of stuff, but your ankle can't do that stuff, right? And so if we neglect the limits of our body parts, we could really get into big trouble. Like if I want to force my ankle to work like my thumb, probably going to destroy my ankle. And if I want my thumb to become like the strength of my ankle, I'm probably going to crush my thumb. And so I got to be mindful of that stuff. And when we neglect the gifts that God has given us for ministry even, when we try to function with gifts we don't have, sometimes that'll lead to unfruitfulness, frustration, maybe hurt, confusion, sometimes conflict. Worst case scenario is it leads to damage in the body of Christ. So we discern our gifts and we welcome those gifts even as natural abilities. There are certain gifts I do not have. And if I choose to, to lean into the gifts I don't have, the body of Christ suffers and I suffer. So I should look at my gifts as a gift and realize these gifts also come with limits, and that's okay. Now, sometimes God will call us to something, and it's out of our gift capacity, and who's to argue with God? <laughs> and sometimes, and I believe that when that really happens and it's really from the Lord, He equips us in ways beyond our gifts. But it's usually not never-ending 24-7 the rest of your life. It's usually in this moment, God's going to equip you in a, in a supernatural way to fulfill this task. But it's not always. So consider that. Money's a simple example. You've only got so much of it. Your budget's a limit. Your savings are a limit. Your, your savings account is a limit. Your borrowed money's a limit. I just got a call from Visa this week. Can, we can raise your limit by $5,000 if you'd like, uh, Mr. Manifold. And I'm like, ah, call me back in a week. I'll think about it. Even our borrowed money has limits. If we don't honor those limits, we're in trouble. Um, so here, here's, here's the question. Why are these limits gifts to us? Why are we seeing something that sounds negative actually as a positive? And here's the reason. Because when we can see the limits in time, in seasons, in vocation, and in other things, it actually gives us a healthy perspective to discern in the moment we're in, in the time we're in. And that's so important. The Apostle Paul, I think this is on the screen, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17. Is that up there? Yeah, he says this, right? Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time. 
Did you notice Paul didn't say, you know, live as a wise person, use up all your time? Did you notice Paul didn't say that? Paul didn't say, use up all your time. He didn't say, take every hour of the day. He said, make the most of your time. He didn't say, use up all your time. He didn't say, spend all your time. He didn't say, abuse all your time. He said, make the most of your time. And that leads us even, that's a principle in limits, to understand that we have a limit even in a concept like time and the other things we talked about, so we must make the most of it. We must discern. So here's, here's like just ways, ways we can do that. The first thing is this. How do we, how do we dis- when we come up against a limit, what are some options for us? Well, one option is just to stop. Now, again, please, I know I'm going to get like some conversations later. Dave, I really want to do this. Like, I really feel like i got to break through this obstacle to get to the next level. I get it. There's, there's, there's moments in your life, there's things that you should break through. But just put that on pause for a second because that's a different topic. Let's think about these limits as gifts. So one, one response to a limit we, we face is sometimes just to stop. If you're doing something that keeps you hitting a wall or keeps you hitting a limit, sometimes the best thing to do is stop. If you're serving in a ministry and it's been five years and there's been no fruit from that ministry, maybe you need to say, this is not my gift. I'm like, I should serve in another ministry. If, if, if you've been going into debt constantly and you never say, oh, maybe I just don't have the money to buy these things, stop. Simple. If, you're, if your decisions are hurting your relationships, whether you're married or single, if they're hurting your family or your kids, and you're, because you're, you're, you're bumping against a limit that you're meant to honor, but you're hurting these priorities in your life, maybe a response is stop. If you're going against a godly principle, like Satan was trying to tempt Jesus in the, in, in the wilderness, and you recognize that and you say, oh, I'm doing something that actually goes against God's principle that's pretty clear in the Scriptures. Stop. There's no nuance there. You just stop. That's, that's one response to that. Another response is wait, right? Don't go unless the limit is removed, changed, or meant to be broken. Again, another topic. But that means wait. Jesus told, isn't it amazing? Jesus died, resurrected. Uh, the disciples are like, you know, wondering what's going to happen. What does he tell them? The first thing he says, guys, go spend some time in prayer and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. If they would have gone out on their own, they would have surpassed the limit. They would have hit a wall. Jesus says, wait for the Holy Spirit to come. He's going to fill you and empower you for what's next. When, when, when we wait, sometimes we're waiting because we're hitting a limit, and, we, and if we don't recognize that limit, it's just going to lead to destruction. So maybe this kind of big financial goal, maybe you want to go on this, you know, some kind of vacation or something, and you just don't have the savings for it. And you're like, if I, if I push against this limit, I'm going to be paying like interest rate on my credit card for, for, for 12 months. So you wait. If, if, you want, if you want to do something like, maybe I want to teach, it's not never, it's wait. Maybe it's another season. If there's other things going on, you might say, this is not my priority right now. I'm going to wait. And that leads to a discernment decision. Now, here's, here's the last one. It's a tricky one. It's to rearrange or replace things in your life. Sometimes when you discern that you're hitting up against a limit, sometimes you have placed the limit on yourself. 
Sometimes you have included things in your life that have filled up your life so much there's no margin that you feel limited. Sometimes you have done stuff in your life. You have exploited your own time, your own resources, your own capacity, and you feel stuck like you're limited. And in that moment, it's not about stopping or waiting. In that moment, it's about rearranging and replacing. And here's a simple metaphor for that. Your car lease. You might be having a conversation with a friend or your spouse, and you're like, oh my gosh, I just want to go on vacation. It's just not fair, but we just have no money. And then no one ever says, but wait a second, why'd you lease the $700 car? Like, why don't you go for the $300 lease? You know, 400 bucks a month is a good vacation in a year. It's like $5,000. But so... It's not, it's not, I can't go on vacation. It's not, I can't be more generous. It's not, I can't give to mission. It's not, I can't do this. It's, no, your car lease is too high, and that's why there's no money in the bank. Or every time you go to the theater, you always buy the $25 popcorn package. <laughs> and you're like, it's not that I can't do this. It's that twice a month, I spend 50 bucks on popcorn and, like, overvalued popcorn and drinks. It's like... I don't know, figure out a way to do that. Um, there's a good dollar store beside the theater, by the way. So, But anyways, don't say that I said that because you're going to get in trouble or I'm going to get in trouble. Somebody's going to get in trouble. But what, what, what's rearranging? Your, you're rearranging your spending to make room for something you really want. Sometimes it's an inherited limit. that It's, it's in these situations you've actually exploited yourself. No one in, nobody's done it to you. Society hasn't done it to you. Your parents haven't done it to you. Nobody's done it to you. You've made decisions that have created extra limits in your life, and you have to recognize when to rearrange and replace. Why? Because here's the thing. Our society often tells us, maximize every part of your life. Maximize every part of your life, and then life becomes a competitive market. So every dial in our life has to be 10, and we're trying to maximize everything and we fall into this limited state because we've maximized everything because we live in a could society. And we could do anything, and so we do do everything, and then we feel stuck. And sometimes the simplest way to make a decision is to rearrange what's at your disposal. It's not a matter of I can't, but what can I arrange to make this work? Because I've put this limit. I have filled myself up. I'm going to ask the team to come up as we slowly make our way towards communion. And, and, and as we do make our way towards communion, here's my encouragement for you this week. Because we just read Jesus' time in the wilderness. But there's so many other parts of Jesus' life that I'm going to encourage you this week to go and explore. You can either skim through all the Gospels. You can go on a you know, website like BibleGateway.com and type in, in the search, wait, pray, rest, and then look at the, all the references that are in the Gospels. And why I want you to do this is really important because I don't want to just, you know, I can, we can walk through this stuff here. But if you this week, just, just take a look at Jesus' life and look at parts of his life through the Gospels and look at the moments where Jesus waited. Look at the moments where Jesus says, we're stopping now, we're going to go rest. Look at the moments where Jesus says, no, we're not going to do anything now. We're going to go pray. Look at the moments where Jesus said, where the disciples are like, Jesus, the crowds are waiting for you. They want you. And he's like, you know what? We've done enough here. We're going to go to the next town. 
Isn't it interesting that Jesus, the Son of God, who could do absolutely anything, welcomed some limits in his life? He said, rest, pray, stop, wait. Oh, no, let's, we're done here. Let's go here. That, that amazes me. If he can do that, why can't I do that? If he can do that, why can't you do that? And I think this is the key to Jesus' ability to do that, and we found it in the story in the wilderness. He was able to do this because he knew who he was. And he knew whose he was. He was God's son. And he, he knew why he was. He knew his priorities and his seasons. He knew when he was, the season he was in, and the season he wasn't in. And by, by knowing that, he was able to embrace even the limits. We must get this. Jesus, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, he took on human flesh. He took on human limitations to fulfill God's will. We often think fulfilling God's will means ignoring all limitations. Jesus took on our human limitations to fulfill God's will. Doesn't that mean, that means that God can work through you even when you embrace limits. That means that God could work through you even when you embrace the limits of your season, of your vocation, of your life. By embracing God's limits, Jesus discerned God's will in that moment. That was so important for him to understand. And so, just think about it like this way. Limits are a gift to help you discern what's best in the moment. Limits are a gift. And limits are a gateway to experiencing God. When we trust God with our limits, we also see Him at work in the middle of our limits. So often we want to we kind of like bypass that. And say, no, only God can only do this because I know He wants me to do it this way. It's like, wait a second. And I look back and I wonder, I wonder, what if I would have, in the season when we started this church, said, recognized and welcomed the season I was in with my family, the season I was in with my kids, the season I was in with my wife, the season I was in in my development, and not try to bypass them and say, Lord, I want to trust you with this. What are you going to do in the middle of this? Because you're bigger than me, and you're bigger than my limits. I need to honor my limits, but God can always work around them. He can do more, amen? Amen. Let's pray as we, as we um, move into communion today. God, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I just pray for some here right now that are struggling with... Uh, opportunities in front of them that they feel they need to take, maybe seasons in their life that they're in that they, that they just wish they could get rid of a responsibility or demand. And I pray, oh God, that and maybe some are looking at their bank account or their salary, their income, Lord, and I just, I pray that they can just be at rest with you, find their identity in you, to know that you are at work, even in the middle of some of the limitations that come with their vocation, their season, their situation. And I pray, oh God, that we would be able to see some of these limitations as good and godly, 
some of the wonderful responsibilities we have in our lives, some of the wonderful parts of our, our vocation as married or single, as parents or leaders. Some are struggling with health limitations, and they wonder if you're going to work through that. And Lord, I pray that they can see that even in the middle of a health restriction, you can work, that they can be purposeful, they can trust you. Lord, may we see these as gifts, and also may they be gateways for us to experience you in greater ways than we even know possible. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.